You are listening to the Devoted Women's Podcast. This teaching is meant to be listened to after having completed the lesson in your workbook. We hope this teaching equips, encourages, and empowers you. Grace and peace. With all that kind of housekeeping stuff being said, I want to refresh us on why and how we study the Bible. So in your book, this book that you got, this thing is just one giant study tool, right? And two goals that we have um, for our time together whenever we're doing any Bible study in Devoted, any time that we're approaching God's Word together, one of our goals is that you would walk away with a working knowledge of the text. So we've had a study through Luke, First and Second Samuel, Genesis, and then now we're going through Acts. And all of you ladies who have walked through all of those, like I hope you walked away with a better working knowledge, right, of the text, that you have grown in familiarity with those books, that you kind of know where things are located, that you know the general flow of the story and who came where and when and all those good things. Like I can tell you, I probably did not retain as much from First and Second Samuel as I should have, but it was good. It was good. But I could probably generally get you around the book and tell you where to turn right and left. I don't know. But that's kind of the goal, right? Is we want you to have a general idea of what's in there. What was God saying? What was the main message that, um, what was the point of the book, basically? So our second goal is that you would approach God's holy word with confidence, Right. And that's what this book is. It's a book that's going to give you confidence because they ask good questions. Who can attest that this is better than the green book? Anybody? Yes. (laughs) Yes. So we've used a green book before and it's just a different curriculum. But this stuff is good, man. And it will help you to do that. It will help you to approach God's word with confidence. Um, Like it asks all these questions, but it does so in a repetitive kind of way. And so if you were to go and study the book of First John, you might not have this book, but you would have some kind of understanding of what you need to do with First John to have um, to grow in a working knowledge of the text, right? You're going to remember some of these tools that they were having you do that you can go implement without a workbook to walk you through it. So we want you to grow in confidence of God's word. So the study and the entire dynamic of how we have our meetings set up, they accomplish these goals, right? Or we, we hope they're accomplishing these goals. Can I get an amen? Are we accomplishing these goals? Okay, good. Thanks. Sometimes we need that affirmation. So this book specifically, if you want to kind of follow along with me, I didn't even mark the pages, but on page seven, it's going to walk us through this process of CIA. And right now I am inducting you all as members of the CIA, where we are going to be doing comprehension, interpretation, and application of God's word. So we're through comp- comprehension, we're going to be asking the text, what does it say? And a lot of the times, um, whenever I first learned this kind of method, is I heard it as observation. But I do like the point that Jen Wilkin makes is that it's more than just observing. I'm not just observing it and pulling it, pulling from it what I want. I'm 
comprehending what the author is saying, what they intended for me to comprehend, right? I'm taking the time to look up and think about cultural implications, right? I'm thinking about what was going on in the world around them. I'm comprehending what was truly going on and the totality of looking at a specific passage, but also what was going on just in the world in general, because it makes a difference. And then from the process of comprehension, we then move into interpretation. And interpretation is where it gets hard because we're asking the text, what does it mean? What does it mean? And that is where we have to take into consideration, what does Luke want us to glean from him choosing to tell this particular story? Spoiler alert for those of you who are new and you didn't know, Luke is the author of um, the book of Acts. And so, um, when we're asking the text, what does it mean? If we don't faithfully do the work of interpretation, whenever it comes to our application point, we're going to have it all wrong, right? And we're going to apply God's word in a way that he didn't intend for us to uh, apply it. And so this process, your study book, it walks you through that. And it is a marathon process. It's not something we want to rush through. So whenever you're walking through um, and you're you're just angsty, like you want to, like, I just need to get this done. Remember, like, hey, if I need to come back to this later to where I can faithfully come to this and, and walk through this process of CIA, like, do that. It's okay to set it to the side and do it later because it's better than rushing through it and not arriving where it is God was trying to lead you, right, through you doing that faithful work. So one thing that we do need to remember is that the Bible is a book about God. The Bible is a book about God, and it is not primarily about us. To some degree, it is about us, right? We learn a lot of stuff about us, but primarily the, the main point of the Word of God is to have God revealed, right? The Bible is a book about God. And this process, this book, the way we approach the Scripture um, through that method, right, and through all of the other stuff I'm about to kind of walk through, it helps us to keep that in view. It helps us always keep, again, God at the center. So the Bible is a book about God discovery, not self-discovery. Discovery. We will. We will find out about who we are because of what God says about us, and that's amazing and great, but man, whenever you shift your mindset to approach the word and say, God, who are you? He is faithful to show up every single time and show you just who he is. And sometimes it's a little harder, but it is a process now that some of our ladies have been doing this longer. Like, I'm sure it's a lot easier for you to look for God's attributes now, isn't it? Now that you've been digging in and like to them telling you, okay, what attribute did you see here? What did you see of God? And you kind of have to go look it out and maybe it's a harder week, but I guarantee you can find something. So when we faithfully come to the text ready to do the work of being a CIA agent, we will learn to then think rightly about a passage we are in. So instead of taking something completely out of context or not letting it first filter through our mind and go to our heart, we just kind of let it stab us in our heart first and then we get in our feels and then guess what? That sometimes leads to misapplication, misinterpretation, right? So um, to 
one of the things Jen Wilkins says, and I'm referencing her a lot for those of you who don't know, she's one of the writers of the study, right? And she's a Bible study teacher out of Dallas and she's just brilliant, but she's wonderful. But one of the things she says is that right thinking leads to right feeling. So as women, we all wanna jump in our feelings, right? We all wanna like, oh God just made me feel this. And like that doesn't necessarily happen with every passage. I don't know if y'all remember from last semester, but some of that stuff I was just like, Herod was eaten by worms. Like, like I can't, there's not much to glean from that and it doesn't make my heart feel good, right? So I've got to think about it more. And truly, we need to start that process um, with the Bible is allowing everything to filter through our mind. Because a lot of times we do jump to our heart too quickly, but right thinking leads to right feeling. And it's the same idea as, I couldn't feel about Anna what I do now if I didn't know her well. And so, but now that I know her, my brain knows her, I know about her, I know her quirks and stuff, that's what draws me into loving her, right? And so that's the same thing with the text. And even with God is whenever we learn to think rightly about him, then we can love him even more and even love him rightly. We can have a reverent fear. We can have um, an awe of him. We can adore his majesty, right? So with all that said, just a quick reminder for us, I want to move quickly through the book structure and to you I just want to say do the work do the work show up and slow down and walk through the process of what the book is telling you to do for example let's just go ahead and skip to page 13 Page 13. So number one, that's kind of a, it doesn't really apply to the every other week because it's going to have you go back and do some matching up to check your familiarity with what was going on last semester. And so for those of you, um, I know I got to text a couple of you and say like, hey, if you can read one through 12, if you didn't get to it, just slowly work through it. It'll be worth it. I promise. So if this doesn't just fall into place for you, that's okay. But one of the first things it does, what's that little orange thing say somebody? Read from what? Start to finish. So before you're ever jumping in, before you're answering any questions, you need to just come to the Word of God and read it from start to finish. And then what does it ask you to do? Summarize. Summarize, which makes you read again, right? What did verses one through three say? And then summarize that, just a couple sentences. Um, a little hack that we like to do, that I like to do, is a lot of times, like your Bible, have little Bible heading, that, that helps make your summaries easier. If it doesn't, I'm sorry, just give it your best shot. Like, slow down, do the summary, because here's the thing. We're like, why am I summarizing this? Like, I'm not in high school English anymore. I don't need to do this. And you know why your high school English teacher had you do it? Because it's a learning tool. It is meant to help you retain what you're reading. It's a tool for retention. So slow down, do your summaries. It's the thing I'm always like, I can skip the summary and be just fine. And sometimes I do, and that's okay. But I encourage you, slow down and do it because it's a tool there for your good and for God's glory, right? So then to the back of your book.
first I want to point out, let's see if I can get some page, I really should have wrote all this down. Page 124, you have an entire copy of chapters 13 through I think it's 28 of the text. So you have this whole section of scripture that we're going to cover. And that is for you to annotate and mark away. Highlight what you want to highlight, mark what you want to mark. Here in a little bit, I will cover specifically where we are going to mark the work of the Holy Spirit because he has shown up and he is working in full force now in the book of Acts, right? Not that he wasn't always there. Don't get me wrong. They are completely aware that he is present and working and moving in full force. So... From there, in this book, oh, nope, let me skip. Page 152, you've got your attributes of God. Each week at the end of your lesson, it's going to ask you, because of whatever truth you learned, I now know that God is, right? And that's where you would think about it and fill in an attribute of God. And I would even encourage you, as you're working through those smaller sections, like you might not be at the end yet, but where am I seeing God um, as provider like he showed up and he gave them what the what they needed that God's provider here and stop and praise him for that right because he's revealing himself to you and showing you his character so that's your attribute list this time did y'all see what is happening here anybody flip to the back yet look at that map you guys and there's four of them there's four of them Oh, yes. Thank you. So we've always been kind of hooked on the attributes list. Thank you, Candace. And if you want one for your Bible, I know some of y'all were asking for this half page, but if y'all want one for your Bible to stick in so that you can always kind of have that to reference, we have those up here. And if we need to print more, we will. I think there's like 20 there. So grab one of those if you want them. Thank you. Thank you. But look at these maps. <laughs> so... Now that we're moving into the second half, right, we're going to see a lot more of Paul and what he's doing. And so he has three missionary journeys that he goes on. And um, as I was listening today to her and talking about these maps, she was saying that they kind of like you can overlay them to see, which I can kind of see what she means. It's not transparent, but you'll be able to look and see all the movement of Paul. So when your study book is saying like, hey, go math this out, look for this place, look for this thing, mark the reference, like do it. Because by the time you're done with this, you're going to open your map and be like, holy moly, the dude covered some ground, right? And it's just really cool to see. So that is that as far as the book goes. Let me see. Make sure I'm on track here. What page was lesson two? So again, just, just to reiterate, as you're studying, your book is going to... Like it already had you summarize and read from start to finish, but each new little section, and it is set up in either four to five sections. So if you're the girl who wants to do a section a day, if that keeps you on track, um, there that's available to you. You can go work from one section to the next the next day. Um, but each time, again, it says now shift your focus to Acts 1, 1 through 3. That's an invitation to read it again. And then it'll have you do it again. Read it again. Read again. Read it again. Slow down. Embrace it. Um, one of the things that we do ask is that one of our rules, if you want to say, is that you don't read commentaries. 
Some of you might not even know what a commentary is, and that's great. But don't read commentaries as you're working through this book, okay? Because the book in itself is going to lead you in that process of comprehension, interpretation, and application. And then after we have completed a week of study, you've spent your own time in God's word, you've showed up to small group time and allowed other people to have um, some insight into a question. Maybe you had a question and they answered it for you, right? You're doing the process of group study where the Holy Spirit works miracles and is amazing because the Spirit of God in Anna like speaks directly to me and to my mind, which can then seep into my heart, something that I would have never gleaned if she didn't open her mouth and share, right? So whenever we show up to study group, that's a process of the study. And then even the teaching time, which the teaching time does in itself turn into a form of commentary, but it's last, right? And hopefully we're kind of wrapping up the big picture for you about the lesson for the week. But um, whenever you've walked through all of those processes, then go to the commentaries all you want. Because I'll tell you, there's gold. There's gold in those commentaries sometimes, and it's beautiful and it's good. But if you rush through that process of showing up to the text for yourself, you're selling yourself short of what God wanted to show you. Not what David Guzik wanted to show you, or Matthew Henry, or Charles Spurgeon, like all these great minds who have wonderful things to say to us. If we're running to them, we're not allowing God to speak to our mind. We're not thinking with our own brain to arrive at some of these conclusions, right? We're allowing outside influence um, to say what they want to say before just going to God himself. Before you show up, just you, yourself, and the spirit, right? So I want you, Candace wants you, Angie wants you, all of us, we want you to, and God wants you, to walk away from this semester having gleaned all that you can so that you can then we go back to our vision so that you can walk boldly in your purpose of glorifying God and your unique and individual calling with a living hope rooted in Christ. That is why we are here. And that is why we do the hard work and we show up week after week over and over again is to love God and to love others. So I commend you and I urge you, do that summary. I'm talking to myself, do that summary. Even when you don't want to, read that passage again, even when you are certain of what it says, mark the map. And as you're going, prayerfully approach every piece and portion of the study, because if you're not, you're not allowing God into the process. Um, but whenever we do show up to the hard work, it's called discipline, right? Mm -hmm. And it grows us. It grows us. So do the hard stuff. I'm almost done. I just want to recap Acts for us. The first half of Acts was really quick. And if you remember in Acts 1, 1 through 2, it said, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. So what was that former account? Ladies, what was the book that came before Acts? Anybody? Who wrote Acts? Luke, right? And his first book was the book of Luke. And he tells us that this is a continuation of that book. So um, again, just to refresh us, Luke is the author. 
And through the Holy Spirit, he pinned these words. He pinned the the book of Luke through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for the obedience to that call, right? Because I don't know if you've ever read Luke, but it's like the longest one. And he is so detailed and so meticulous and it's so painstaking at sometimes, but so beautiful, right? That he felt that call and he answered it and he did all that work to write all that down, right? Because look at what we get on this side of it. And not only that, but all other 66 authors of the word of God who were also inspired, inspired by the spirit. So Acts is phenomenal. And in my own time of studying and reading last semester, I don't even know why I wrote it here, but truly the the first two chapters here, they're the inauguration of the church, right? And it's the beginning of a new system. And it's a true picture of how the old has passed away and the new has come. God came in and was doing a new thing. So back to 1-1 where the book of Luke dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, just like he tells us in verse 1. The book of Acts record for us all that Jesus continued to do and teach. But we can ask the question, how did Jesus do that? If right there in chapter one, he ascends back to the right hand of the father, right? And it's through the Holy Spirit. He poured out his spirit. And um, from our workbook, the little introduction from our last one, it says the gospel of Luke gave us the birth and acts of Jesus. And the book of Acts gives us the birth and acts of his church, one born of the spirit. And to that, I say, amen. So before moving on, I do want to touch on that RISE acronym. You're going to see it at the beginning of each week in your homework. Yes. And so like I'm looking at week five, just happenstance. And so they don't give it written out to you every time. So I put it here on your little schedule that you can reference. But then also on the back, you're going to be looking for this, right? You're looking for the work of the Holy Spirit. You're looking for... um, where the, the Holy Spirit is regenerating people. That's your R. That's where the moment of salvation happens, right? That is where um, God transforms that heart of stone and gives them flesh and where the moment the Spirit comes to indwell us. And then we see that we're marking and looking for inspiration and illumination from the Holy Spirit. And that is moments where God is inspiring the Word of God, when the Holy Spirit is inspiring the Word of God. So like, right, like we're just talking about how the book of Luke came about by the inspiration of the word of God. And then it's also whenever the Holy Spirit is giving understanding of who God is and what his will is right through that word. So then we see that we want to look for the process of sanctification that the Holy Spirit does within us. And that is where God is our helper, right? That is where he's coming in and he's cleaning up the mess and he's wanting to conform us into the image of Christ, right? Where he wants to make us more loving and kind and gentle, right? All these things that our flesh just naturally kind of combats. That is the process of sanctification. And then we want to mark where the spirit is doing the work of empowerment. And I'm just going to skip right to the one where um, in the Old Testament, uh, 
instance of this is whenever the spirit comes upon Samson and he just like destroys the enemy all by himself, right? It's just insane. That's the work of the Holy Spirit there. But for us as believers on this side of the resurrection and the ascension, the spirit empowers us today through the imparting of spiritual gifts. So, um, and those spiritual gifts are always for the purpose of building up the body, right? So we're looking for those as we're reading, have your pen ready to underline and mark and, um, take note of those things. And again, it's one of those things. If you faithfully show up and do that work at the end of the study, you're looking at either your Bible, if you want to do it there, or if you're marking up in the back of the text, you're going to look and see the Holy Spirit's all over everything, Right. And it's just so cool to have that visual. So things that you might also want to mark as you're reading, you can mark instances of prayer. You can mark parts of speech like metaphors, similes, alliteration, onomatopoeias. I don't know if there's any in there, but that's always a fun word to say. <laughs> so you can mark one important thing that I like to mark is um, repeated words and phrases. Because if somebody, if the author is taking the time to make sure that we're seeing this repeated so many times, it should probably get our attention, right? So I like to mark those things. Um, you can mark your own thoughts. If you just have a thought, write it down. And maybe it's something you end up sharing in small group. If God gives you some kind of revelation um, on how the text is connecting to somewhere in the Old Testament that just like it clicks and he blows your mind in that way, mark it down because someday you're going to look at it again and be like, wow, I remember that was really cool. And that's another thing. Mark your wow moments. I know for us, like... <laughs> We really like to mark all the funny stuff in the word. Like our thing is whenever Candace and I started well, five years ago, probably now we started studying the Bible together and we were just sitting at McAllister's and we're talking about the book of Ruth and how they made a vow. And like, here you go. Like that made it like that was done deal. That was a covenant. And so <laughs> we're in McAllister's booth and Candace just like, takes her sandal off and like passes it across the table and like we're forever sandal sisters like those are funny things like mark it down mark it down because it's just good stuff good stuff so it's yours to mark up if you want to do all that crazy stuff if you want to do all that extra that's up to you but for sure for sure show up and do the work of marking all of your rise use that acronym and, and mark those things so in testing out how well you all grew in your familiarity, what comes in chapter two? What's coming up after the ascension? Pentecost. Pentecost, yes. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit on all of those who have chosen to believe on Jesus at this point. So in chapter two, we read of tongues of fire, right? Mighty rushing wind, consuming those who, well, not so much consuming, but just, man, it was everywhere. and. It was just insane. Like, <laughs> sorry, I just get caught up in imagery and I'm like, how do you even explain that? You can't. But so the spirits poured out and they begin to speak in other tongues, right? Through the power of the spirit. And if you remember in Angie's teaching, which I highly, highly encourage you to go back and listen to, I believe it's actually week three homework from last semester. You can find that on the podcast, but she did like a good teaching on the feast y'all and not only showed us what it was because a lot of times we don't even know right but she went and showed us how Jesus redeemed it and like it just lined oh it was so beautiful go listen so um 
Pentecost wasn't just like Pentecost didn't just become a thing in Acts chapter two. Pentecost was already a thing, right? Pentecost was an already existing Jewish feast that commemorated the giving of the law. So amidst the celebrating, all these Jews showed up in Jerusalem, right? And they're celebrating the giving of the law. Jerusalem was like packed out, like tons and tons of people there celebrating as they're commanded to. And we see that God, while all these people are celebrating the giving of the law, God pours out his spirit, who is the liberator of the law. And it's just so beautiful. And he did that through the power um, of his spirit and through the work that Christ did. So Romans 7, 6 says, but now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldest oldness of the letter. Again, the new has come and the old has passed away. So this sign, this sign that took place, the Holy Spirit being poured out, all this crazy stuff, people speaking in um, a language that they could understand, right? These foreigners who come miles and miles and miles and spoke a completely different language. They came in and heard their own language. Um, the sign after the ascension, but then everything that also came before, like Jesus and himself, all his signs and wonders and his works, um, before his crucifixion and even the work of his resurrection, they should have been a blinking neon sign to all of these Jewish people, right? But, and it should have like, Jesus is the Messiah, it's the one you've been waiting on, right? But they just had this wrong picture of what they were expecting. But because the people of God, all those people who showed up in that moment to celebrate, because they had hardened their hearts, and because they had become slave to the law, and then they even idolized the law of God, as a result, they were then blinded to the work of God. So all those people there had no idea, had no idea that Messiah had come and went and started establishing his kingdom here on earth, right? That the kingdom of God was at hand. And we see that right from the begin beginning, from the get-go, um, after the spirit is poured out, that the people of God start opposing God, right? And we read that some people were in complete awe of what was happening, like, they're speaking my language and they're an Aramaic Jew, right? I don't know Aramaic. They don't know how to speak wherever I'm from, my language, right? And they're in complete awe and in doing so and hearing that language and listening, they're hearing the testimony of the wonders of God as the text tells us. Um, and even in that, some mocked and said they were drunk and it was nine o'clock in the morning, right? Oh, they're just drunk. No. And then we read Peter and his crazy boldness that we know he has and in his defense of God, which if you remember Peter in the Gospels, 
was crazy. Like he chopped the dude's ear off. He's irrational and just like, I'm going in with whatever it was he was doing. He was just kind of a hot mess. Now that bold, crazy Peter with that spirit and that fire is now harnessed in the power of the spirit. And he stands up and he boldly proclaims truth for all to hear, proclaiming that Jesus is indeed the son of God, whom those very people had killed. Ooh, it gives me chills. And we read that the people, when they heard that, they were cut to the heart. And when they were cut to the heart, when the spirit broke through that hardness, they said, what shall we do? What shall we do? To which Peter responds, repent and be baptized. And in calling them to repentance, what that meant was he's inviting them to confess that Jesus is the son of God. The very thing they were denying. Confess that he is the son of God. Confess their need of him and their need for him to rescue them from the grave. And for them to confess with their mouth that he is Lord over their life. And in repenting, turn. Turn and walk in the newness of life, right? And then um, following in baptism, they were to demonstrate that they had made those choices, that they did choose to um, proclaim Jesus as Savior, right? That they confess their need. And so then they follow in believer's baptism in obedience to um, walk in that newness, to walk into this new thing God was doing. They had no idea. They were just like, yes, I'm in. And I've received all of that. Now dunk me. Like, I want to show the world, right? That is what um, Peter was calling them into. And at that very moment that they did that, whenever they confessed, they too would receive that same Holy Spirit. All of that that they had just observed, that was available to them as well. And so, so good. And I know, I know some of you are sitting here like, man, she's just droning on and on. And she's talking about, she's just reteaching this lesson. And I, I am kind of, because I want to um, elaborate these things because these are the moments that made everything else in this book possible. Moments that we should come back to and we should reflect on regularly to praise God. It is a marker in time in our existence as God's creation, where he kept his promises, when he made good on his word to move us forward. It was the moment when what was severed in the garden at the beginning of time, at the beginning of all creation, he restored that union that we were created for, right? It's when he poured out his spirit so that we could be brought back into his presence. And now here, through the work and power of Christ and the outpouring of his spirit, that we too can live. At this moment, these people were in being invited into life, and that same life is available to us. So, and in the rest of the book of Acts um, that we've studied up until this point, it's just the church of God coming to life. It's coming to life. We see... Um, Peter, right here from the get-go, like he preaches and 3,000 people are saved, right? But then we also see God chase down the one on a desert road back to Egypt. 
and he takes Philip there, the obedience of one man to go to a desert road for what reason, God, you know, and he just says yes, and he goes, and it's there that the Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch is saved. And then there's some crazy beam me up Scotty Star Trek stuff where he takes <laughs> Philip back to Azotus or Azotus. I don't even know how to say it, but he like just kind of teleports this guy over here because he's needed there. And it's just one of those crazy things like that's where I'm marking my Bible. Like, what is happening? Like he was here, now he's here. It's cool. But anyways, we see Stephen martyred, right? But right before that, you know what he did? He preached his heart out. And he told those people, the very God from the beginning of time is this God. And you killed him. You crucified him. But he's still inviting you in. There's still hope for you. There's still a way. And we see after he's martyred, Paul kind of jumps on the seams and approves his death. And from there, we see Paul persecuting the church. We see the apostles imprisoned over and over again and liberated, sometimes through the natural order of the council, but then sometimes an angel comes in and drags them out and says, go get back to work. Go proclaim the gospel. And we see all these crazy, amazing things. And again, for those of you who are new, go read it. Go read it. And those of you who have been here, maybe you need to refresh. And I think your homework's going to kind of make you do that because what did happen in your, as you're connecting those dots, right? But go and see um, that God is good. That God is good. And isn't that just crazy that that's what we can do whenever we show up to study is that we taste and see that the Lord is good. And we we get to see that when we jump in, when we do the hard work, whenever we show up and we pray like, y'all, I want us to be the church where they're praying for boldness and the place shakes. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want for us. I want to be those people who are so hungry and thirsty for the things of God that we are moved and that God's like, these people are doing it. Like, you're going to feel it over there on First Street whenever Devoted's praying. But anyways, so y'all go to your small groups, get to know one, each, one another. Um, I think that's it.